everyone has their own favorite movie, and I think that is something to be celebrated. I, I love movies, I love talking about movies, and I love my friends, and I love learning new things about my friends. So why wouldn't I uh, want to sit down and watch my friends' favorite movies and talk with them about it? Uh, and that is what we do here on Movie Night with Tyler Marston. Tonight, we are going to be watching Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, uh, directed by Alejandro Iñárritu and starring Michael Keaton, Emma Stone, and Edward Norton. And the reason we're watching Birdman is because it is my friend Jordan's favorite movie uh, of all time. And I gotta say, it's a good movie. It follows this actor named Riggan Thompson, who's played by Michael Keaton, and he is a has-been superhero actor who used to play this character named Birdman in the 90s, uh, closely mirroring Michael Keaton's actual experience playing Batman in the 90s. But uh, this fictional version, Regan Thompson, he goes on and uh, decides to be a Broadway director to kind of reboot his career and, and try to uh, find some new uh, popularity in doing that. And so that way he won't be pigeonholed as that guy who played Birdman. So that's kind of what the movie is about. But also we see as, as Regan goes about this, he also has a lot of mental health struggles, uh, a lot of different uh, obstacles that come into his way, uh, people, things, a lot of stuff happens. And so it's uh, it's a really interesting movie. Um, I do want to give a warning, though, because we will be talking a little bit of spoilers, especially towards the end of the conversation with Jordan. So watch out for those. But without further ado, welcome to Movie Night. Let's get into it. Jordan, what's going on? What's up, man? How's it going? It's going really well. Uh, yeah, I, I just started a new job. I got off work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we're talking about Birdman. Hey, I'm excited for you. I know you've been looking for that for a while, so it's great. Yeah, I know. And I, I'm so excited to talk about Birdman, man. I love this movie with pretty much every fiber of my being. And as I was watching it this week, I was just, I, I was just reminded how much I actually like love this movie and like <laughs> how cool it is like as, as a concept so yeah uh i've wanted to watch this movie since it came out mm -hmm. but i never had the opportunity to until this week so thank you oh yeah for uh introducing me give, giving me an excuse to watch the movie I should say. <laughs> uh but yeah how how's it how's it going with you Man, I'm doing great. I uh, just got done taking a calculus midterm, so you mm. know that's that's fun. <laughs> yeah, those are big this time of year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I think I made a solid uh, 80 on it, so I think that's good enough with me. That'll keep me. Yeah. That'll keep me at a B in calculus, which is honestly better than I thought I was gonna have. So <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta you gotta take what they give you. In yeah, calculus. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so let's let's start talking about the movie. All right, Birdman came mm. out in 2014. Uh, the comeback of Michael Keaton, mm -hmm. right? Uh, as as a lot of people uh, know it as, 
Um, that was his first like kind of big break that he had mm-hmm. after coming back after you know playing Batman in the yeah. in the in the nineties. Give give me a little like overview of the plot of the movie. So the 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 plot of this movie is kind of complicated. There's a <laughs> lot of like side plots, but basically he is. Um, a movie star who wanted to uh, get into Broadway too. And he wrote this play off of a book that's like centuries old. And um, he's trying to get that out there and revitalize his career kind of uh, in this new thing. And he wants to not be known as this Birdman guy anymore um, who was uh, who he played as a superhero whenever he was in Hollywood. And so um, this is just a, a giant story of this uh, play that he puts on. Um, and... Basically, you learn a lot about him. You learn uh, why he uh, wanted to stop being Birdman. There's a whole bunch of themes about Hollywood and Broadway and aspiring actors and stuff like that. And I really feel like it's... um, I feel like the plot's kind of complicated because there's a lot of, like, smaller things that happen throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, it's the story of Regan Thompson, um, who's played by Michael Keaton. And um, I think it's... I think he does a fantastic job telling that story. Yeah, and and like you mentioned, there's a lot of like meta narrative kind of yeah because <laughs> the story is basically like Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton's story anyway. Like this this yeah. movie Birdman went on to win you know uh, Best Picture at the Academy mm-hmm. Awards, and that was kind of like his version of the play that Riggin Thompson puts on because mm-hmm. like Riggin was known for being Birdman, Michael Keaton was known for playing Batman, you know. Mm-hmm. And something else that's interesting is that. Uh, the, the other two major stars in this movie, uh, Edward Norton and Emma Stone, mm-hmm. also former superhero movie franchise yeah. uh, leads, mm-hmm. you know. I, I think that that is, uh, and, and I just want to talk about those guys for a second because my goodness, are they fantastic in this movie too. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I feel like every single performance that's in this movie is fantastic, but I, I really think that those two kind of kind of shine uh, above some of the others and we'll talk about that in a second whenever we talk about best performance and, and actually my, my favorite performance in the movie isn't any of the big ones but we'll we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. Alright, sounds but. good. Well, in the meantime, what's your favorite like part or scene? What's what's the thing that what's what's the the memorable moment that sticks out to you when you think about Birdman? So for me, I think the most memorable moment is uh, I love um, the the ending 30 minutes of that movie. Like, like I, it's hard for me to pick, like, one specific scene because I feel like the way they shot it, it kind of fits together. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if I had to pick something, it's whenever he... Um, I, I think I have two favorite scenes. I don't think I could... I don't think I could pick just one. But I... Um, I love whenever he's coming in and he gets his robe stuck in the door and he has to go through the whole crowd in his underwear and he comes in and he's got the finger gun as he's walking in and he just gives a great performance of that line. And um, I think another thing is at the end, whenever he brings the real gun on stage, I feel like that's fantastic too. Mm -hmm. Um, In the the same moment, which I think is kind of interesting that both of my favorite scenes take place like within the same Broadway scene, which is which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah, the whole, I mean, then again, almost like essentially the whole movie is shot to look like one continuous mm-hmm. take. Obviously they didn't do that because practically yeah. <laughs> that's nonsense. And even like, even, even though they shoot it like that, they're like, they s- still span over like multiple days yeah. in different time frames. There's still time jumps in it, even though they shoot it mm-hmm. like it's one continuous take. Um, so it is kind of hard to narrow down a scene. 
But I agree that the ending of that movie is like so crazy and like like there's so many things that happen and uh, like you never really know where it's going next. Because like you know you have the scene where he he has to walk through with his underwear and everything, and then and then that leads to like commentary on like social media and mm-hmm. how the internet has affected you know the life of a of a celebrity. Um, and and uh, not to cut you off, I think that's actually a really interesting like narrative that's in there is because like you hear it mentioned like a couple of times, and it's like. Um, Regan Thompson is so against social media and um, like at the end of the movie like he kind of embraces it uh, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting too so it's kind of like trying to balance that personal life with that what you can put out in social media too I think is really interesting mm-hmm. yeah 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 uh, but but the ending is really fun and then of course the part I, I, I would say probably my favorite uh, scene or, or you know part would be uh it's it's also towards the end. I think it's in between the two scenes you mentioned, <laughs> when he wakes up from sleeping on the on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. and he hallucinates Birdman behind him, like another version of him, in the Birdman costume, mm-hmm. and like all hell kind of breaks loose, and he starts like flying around New York, and there's like bombs exploding, and it's kind of this like, uh, uh poignant statement about like the the culture surrounding like blockbuster superhero Mm -hmm. movies you know with like oh they audiences these days really only care about like action and blood and gore and you know they're they're not you know uh they don't they don't think a lot when they go to the movies which you know is not necessarily a bad thing but it's not necessarily a great thing either yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's so definitely true. I, I think it's a it's an interesting statement that the movie's making mm-hmm. yeah so uh going back to performances who do you think gives the best performance so you know i think uh i think it's between two people for me i think obviously michael keaton does a fantastic job in this movie but in my opinion my favorite performance is zach galifianakis oh he's can, great can we just talk about how good his character was <laughs> like i i loved his part of this movie yeah. and i loved it the first time i watched it i loved it the second time and i loved it this last time that i watched it i feel like zach galifianakis kills his role in this movie oh absolutely and it's really good to see like Zach Galifianakis doing something where he's not like it's still a very comedic role, mm-hmm. but it's not a role where he's like just kind of like a bumbling kind of guy, yeah. you know? He's he's like he's really very put together, serious. yeah, and serious, but he's still like so funny. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and so I think that really like r- really shows his range. Uh, I think my favorite performance is probably Edward Norton, just mm-hmm. because like. I enjoy Edward Norton, and I, I think he's a good actor, and he made me hate him so much in this yes. movie. He's such, like, a like a pretentious, like, stuck-up jerk. Yeah. And, like, I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he, has to, he it shows how good he is at acting because, mm-hmm. like, in every other role I've seen him in, like, he's, you know, he's great, he's a good guy, but this one I just couldn't stand the guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... That that's one of my favorite characters in in the movie. Like for for all the reasons that you just mentioned, I think he does a fantastic job um, with the character. I think uh, I I honestly think one of one of the best um, scenes is that introduction scene with him. Whenever he comes into the set and he knows every single one of the lines and he yeah. schools Regan Thompson on that. I feel like just 
perfectly shows what his character is going to be for the rest of the movie. So yeah, absolutely. So what did you think about the writing of the movie? Is written by uh, the director Alejandro Iñárritu. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. But hey, close enough. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, what what did you think about the writing? I thought it was really good. I feel like the um, I feel like there are a couple places where it's kind of questionable, like why exactly did that happen? Mm-hmm. But but like those places are so small and like ten seconds of like a two hour movie that you kind of just forget about it more so. So I, I feel like the writing was really good. I feel like. Um, Especially the relationship between uh, Emma Stone's character and Michael Keaton's character was written beautifully. Um, and I, I really did enjoy the writing in this movie. I feel like a lot of it, I, I feel like Birdman, um, like the alter ego, the kind of hallucinatory Birdman more so than actual Regan Thompson, uh, is written beautifully. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, he has some really good lines. I feel like the comedic timing in this movie is fantastic. Um, and I, I really think that the writing is pretty good in this movie. I I feel like there are a couple things that maybe are a little bit interesting like why is that put in there but once again those are very short so mm-hmm. uh, i think overall it's a pretty good yeah uh, performance um it's definitely one of those movies where like you kind of feel like everything was put in for a very specific reason mm-hmm. and then that specific reason is not always translated the best so you really have to to do a deep dive and like think about it um and you know who knows maybe maybe there was no reason at all but like mm-hmm. It makes you think that there was a specific reason, um, which is really interesting. Uh, but yeah, and I also think the dialogue in this movie was like really accurate to how people talk in real life too, mm-hmm. which I really admired. So, uh, if as we mentioned earlier, the film is is shot to look like it's one continuous long take, and and we see that you know in movies like 1917. You know, um, and even like Hitchcock tried to do it when he was like all the way back in the 40s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- what do you think that this represents in this story of Birdman? So this- I I love the like one shot films. I feel like those are so cool. And I, I feel like a lot of the one shot films have kind of the same aspects as to why they are. And I think that in my opinion, the reason it's shot like that is to kind of show the busyness of this life that they were living. Like, um, you know, in in movies like 1917, it shows that, like, look, the war's constantly going on. Like, look, there's no breaks. And I feel like it's the same way for this movie, too. I feel like they're kind of saying, like, look at how busy and how hard it is for someone to be able to make it on uh, Broadway. And by shooting it in one shot, you're kind of showing, like... Um, there's no time for them to take a break. There's no like gaps. It's just constantly moving and constantly at work. So I think, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I also think it kind of goes along with, uh, some of the themes, um, uh, about how life is always moving and you either get caught in the past or you can adapt with it. And uh, I feel like that also happens through this one shot by showing like, look, time is continuous. Time doesn't take any breaks mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I, I feel like there are a couple of reasons why this was shot in, in one take. And obviously I'm not the director, so I don't know for sure why it was shot in one take, but uh, that that's just kind of my inferences on it. Yeah, that, that's something I've noticed. Like I've never been a part of a, like a theater production, but I have been a part of like a few television productions and like, those are always super chaotic and mm-hmm. like there's always something going on and you've got to bounce from this place to this place to this place, you know, and, and you don't get a break. And I think, I think 
I assume it works the same way in the theater. And so I think that is really what happens, like what it represents in the first half. Mm -hmm. But as you keep going throughout the movie, like you start to see the chaos, not only like in the outside real world, but you also see the chaos inside Riggins' mind Mm -hmm. and like everything that he's having to deal with. So I think it kind of complements each other like that. Mm -hmm. Now, shifting to talk about the score. Uh, the score is really interesting with this movie. Yeah, it is. I was so I watched this uh, with my girlfriend Caitlin. So we uh, throughout that she was like, "There's like no music in this movie," and I was like, "Yeah, that's what makes it so cool. <laughs> like it's it, I, I love the score in this movie. Like I love it. I love the drums and cymbals through like mm-hmm. an hour and a half of the movie. Oh yeah. And then finally, whenever he kind of embraces that craziness of Birdman, you start to hear kind of like the violins come in and like mm-hmm. some keys and stuff like that, and it's kind of i i really love the score in this movie i could talk about it for for hours i'm a huge music person and like whenever i play video games and watch movies and tv shows and stuff like that i'm always listening for the music to see how it ties into the story and i feel like i feel like the score for this movie was amazing Mm -hmm. yeah um it's really cool how because most throughout the movie most of the score is just like jazz drums Mm -hmm. and like that's all it is yes uh and then you get to that that part. I, I remember, and I, I think this is why they had it for so long with just jazz drums, is because I, I can remember the specific point mm-hmm. in the movie where, like, I first heard a piano. And I was like, well, what is going on? There's something <laughs> different going on. And so whether the audience picks up on that or not, like, it's a subconscious thing that, like, you can tell that something different's going on mm-hmm. just by how the music has changed uh, because of what it's been up to this point and, like, you know, when it changes. Mm-hmm. Um so, moving on, we've talked about the movie itself. Let's talk about why it's your favorite movie. So, do you have a story of the first time you watched this movie? Do you so remember? So I, I actually do because this is this is really this is really weird. So I was uh, it came out in two thousand fourteen, like you said, and I watched it uh, as soon as it was put on iTunes. Um, I bought it and was like, I want to watch this movie because I love Michael Keaton so much. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I want to watch this movie. So I bought it and I was on a bus going from the Orlando airport to the, um, to like the Disney resort we were staying at Disney world. And I remember I was sitting next to this random person because like it was, it was my parents, my grandparents and my sister. So that left like an odd number uh, of us and my uncle too. So that, that's what makes it the odd number. I realized that I said like six people. So that's not an odd (laughs) number, but my uncle was there too. And uh, so I was sitting by myself and there was like this man that I never met that was sitting like right here. And I remember whenever the first scene came on, I was like, Oh crap, he's sitting here in his, underwear hovering above the ground i need to like not let this guy see what i'm watching so he doesn't think i'm watching something creepy so uh i remember that was that was the first time i watched the movie and uh i didn't get to watch it all the way through there i had to stop like about halfway and then i watched the rest of it in the hotel room Mm. but um that was the first time i watched that movie and it's very memorable for me because i was like (laughs) oh no what is this random person beside me gonna think (laughs) yeah i i have also had experiences like that um watching a movie on like a plane or a bus or something mm-hmm. and like oh hang on whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on <laughs> yeah so why do you think you like the movie so much 
I, I honestly think I like the movie because of everything we talked about uh, in, in the beginning part. Talking about the score, talking about the camera work, talking about the direction, talking about the dialogue, who our favorite characters were. I mean, I love... I, I feel like I don't love a specific part of this movie. I love the... I love it as a collection. I think that the score is fantastic. I think the camera work is fantastic. I think all of the performances are amazing. I, I, I really feel like this movie is just kind of like a jack of all trades more it is like, oh, this is exactly why I love this movie. Mm. Um, Michael Keaton's a big part of that because, I mean, he does a fantastic job in this movie. And you were talking about it being like a revitalization period for him. And, and I'll agree with that because it definitely was. And he did a fantastic job in this movie. And um, I, I feel like without Michael Keaton, I, I don't really feel like there was anybody else that could have played that role simply because he's done so much. I mean, yeah. he was the superhero. Then he was like the, I hate superheroes in Birdman. And then uh, a few years later, he was the villain in a Spider-Man yeah, movie. He so he's kind of does more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's kind of had the whole experience, mm -hmm. and so I, I feel like I feel like Michael Keaton is probably one reason why I love this movie so much. But there there are a ton of reasons why I love this movie. Yeah, I I feel like because it's almost so almost like autobiograph autobiographical. Mm -hmm. Like if Michael Keaton wasn't the main character in this movie, like there's no way this movie would have been made. Like no, <laughs> no way. Yeah, and, and I don't know who else could have made it. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I feel like. Him being Birdman too was just so cool because he was Batman and yeah. everyone knew him for being Batman. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like it was, I, I don't know who else you could have picked to play that role and still had the same uh, ending theme, the same uh, performance that he put on, the same heart that he was actually able to put in because, I mean... Birdman is exactly what Michael Keaton was, like you were saying. It's very autobiography-esque, and I feel like there was nobody else that could put together such a great performance in this movie other than Michael Keaton. Yeah. Maybe George Clooney. Maybe George Clooney. He, he played Batman, too. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> here, here's the thing. You know, I think, uh, I, I think Michael Keaton is... Um, I don't want to say something controversial, <laughs> but I personally like Michael Keaton more so that's that than that's, george clooney yes yeah i george think clooney. i think so, most people would agree okay with you. just making sure <laughs> i was like i don't want to say anything controversial but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna put it out there yeah but i feel like um i feel like michael keaton definitely makes this movie and it's probably one of the reasons why i like it yeah george clooney was batman in the one where like batman had like yeah, nipples the bat on his nips, suit yeah. <laughs> and and like arnold schwarzenegger was mr freeze and like chaos anyway mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, so how does this movie connect with you? So I, I think it's really interesting, but I have always been somebody who's wanted um, to do multiple things and not be known for just doing one thing in particular. So um, while while I'm, I'm not necessarily going from an A-list movie star to a Broadway director, yeah. um, I, I still feel like I, I kind of wanted this for myself I wanted to be able to go from one place to another obviously I didn't like want to do all the things that Michael Keaton was doing in this movie but I, I feel like the general theme of like dang it's hard to make it in some places and like you've got to fight and you've got to scrap and you've got to do these things to be able to get to that point um and there are going to be people that stand in your way and you've got to do 
uh, whatever you can to try and get past those people. Um, I feel like was very what well, was definitely something that I personally attached to in this movie. So um, while I'm not going from an A list, like I said, I I feel like there are multiple facets in life that this kind of a, that this movie applies to. So mm-hmm. that that that's why it connects with me the most. So yeah, and and that makes sense. I mean. I think that's the thing that like Riggin experiences is that like he he just wants someone to like know him kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah. and not know Birdman, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that applies to like everybody pretty much. I think like you know people people are like, oh, what do you do? Like and and mm-hmm. most people say they're like career for that yeah but like nobody wants to be pigeonholed into their like yeah. career like that and just be known as you know the guy who works here or the guy who does this for a living like people are people they're not just yeah. what they work for and so i think i think it applies to everybody even if you're not in you know show business yeah for sure yeah um so this movie is was almost a little bit uh prophetic Go- going back mm-hmm. to talking about how you know the the blockbuster culture um w- we've seen like people like martin scorsese come out and are like hey uh this is kind of weird and maybe it's not the greatest thing for like cinema as an art form and people just like do not like martin scorsese Mm -hmm. anymore for saying stuff like that (laughs) um so what's like kind of your opinion on on that kind of like blockbuster action movie only culture so i myself love like the blockbuster action movies like fast and the furious man like the plot in those suck but man i go to watch (laughs) some people get shot into like watch cars fly through the air and stuff like that but of course i have oh yeah i have i have a huge (laughs) soft spot in my heart though for for these kind of movies the big like narrative movies the dramas that kind of stuff i have a big um I have a big love for those movies. And I I honestly feel like, I feel like in some ways Scorsese's right in that. And mm-hmm. I feel like this movie does a pretty good job at um, kind of showing how he's right by saying, oh, look, you came, you came to watch this movie. Now look at this superhero. And as soon as he comes up on screen, watch all these buildings fall down and these helicopters get shot down and things explode. And Michael Keaton flying through the air. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it does a really, really good job at... Um, showing hey look we can have this movie that's extremely dramatic that can make fun of these giant blockbusters but still like kind of involve them in a certain way and i i feel like i feel like he would i I feel like scorsese once again is kind of right and kind of not because i feel like there are are a lot of people that use movies as an escape and it's Mm -hmm. way easier to escape into a movie that is action-packed and like there's not a lot of story going on and it's not as easy to escape into a movie that has a whole bunch of subplots and is very narrative driven um but i feel like there's space in hollywood for both of those types of movies yeah and i agree i think i think even if you just look at the history of art in general you see this kind of like back and forth between like escapism and realism, escapism mm-hmm. and realism, because because people you know are bummed out about their own lives, so they want to escape, mm-hmm. but then the escapism gets too radical, too absurd, and and they want something real, but then that bums them out, so they want something <laughs> you know to escape from, but yeah. then it gets too absurd, and and I think that's just what we're seeing today, mm-hmm. um, but now the art form is movies. Um, and and so that that's what I think 
uh, about that topic. And, and I feel like a reason why uh, it why that that opinion is so controversial is because right now we are at a point where we want escapism because mm -hmm. I mean you look at what the world is looking like right now and we're in the middle of a pandemic we're trying to get through that we want to go back to a time that's simpler whenever people can be together without having to worry about getting sick and stuff like that and and we want to strive towards that so I feel like escapism is very very popular right now and most of the time that escapism is going to come with superhero movies and action movies and stuff like that so I feel like He's met with a lot of backlash because I feel like right now, and it'll probably be this way for the next couple of years, those action movies are what people want to see more than anything because they want to get into that different world. And uh, I feel like narrative movies are still really, really good, and I'm still going to love them, and I'm still going to watch them, but like that that's something that I want too. I want to be able to escape into this uh into this different world that's completely different from ours and new york city isn't that much different from our world so um <laughs> yeah. i i really feel like that's that's kind of the case and and you know i i was thinking about this last night too because as me and caitlin were finishing the movie she was like this is why this is why i watch hallmark and stuff like that is because <laughs> like i can escape into it and like all of them in happy and like this movie i want to cry <laughs> like it's like i i want to be in a place where i can be happy and i feel like a lot of people are in that same boat yeah yeah for sure and and i think you know back to martin scorsese i think a reason he thinks like the, the way he thinks is because like I mean look at the films that were popular when like he was first getting into the industry like the highest grossing movies were like The Graduate, Apocalypse Now, The mm -hmm. Godfather you know very realistic gritty you know yeah. down to earth movies that are really narrative driven really drama driven and so um, I, I think that's just you know a difference in, in culture and, and I'm sure in the next few years there's going to be a pushback more to mm -hmm. you know that realism side um eventually yeah um and then it'll go back it's just the cycle of art mm -hmm. i think but yeah uh so now going back to birdman that's yeah. a, that a fun tangent um <laughs> what the so the title of the movie is birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance mm -hmm. what do you what do you think that means I feel like I feel like that's a really hard thing because I feel like Birdman is kind of like the overall title and then that's like oh yeah this is like the theme and the narrative you want to look out for and I, I feel like you can definitely um, see a lot of ignorance in this movie there is a ton probably from every single character I would argue even the minor characters even the woman that's writing for the New York Times or New Yorker whatever it was like even she shows ignorance like mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's very much like look at this this movie is built off ignorance and sometimes um, ignorance can lead to something good and something that you wouldn't expect to see and sometimes like happens in the movie constantly um that same ignorance can lead you to not be compassionate and empathetic towards people so mm -hmm. i feel like um I feel like that is a really interesting subtitle and it's one of the only like current movies and I say current with a grain of salt because it is like last decade but um, in the 2010s I feel like that was one of the only big blockbuster movies that even had a subtitle mm -hmm. so uh, I feel like it's really interesting because that gives you kind of an insight to what the theme um, they were trying to get across was yeah uh, I think it's really interesting I think my, my kind of 
the way I look at it is like how I I imagine like myself as an audience member in like this universe and I see Riggin Thompson and I'm like, oh yeah, that's Birdman. He, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of classic, like, oh yeah, he must have his life together. Like he's, he's so good. Yeah. Uh, I'll just go about my day, you know? And so like not having to know that like, he's actually really, you know, in, in a lot of conflict and mm-hmm. having a lot of mental health troubles and like, you know, in, in a really bad place, mm-hmm. like not having to know that is, is almost a virtue and it makes you feel good. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's something that gets, uh, even more prominent in like today's culture, because we look at people that are, uh, influencers in a way who are on these different apps who are on YouTube. And we look at them and we say, man, look at that. They've got their life put together. They've got all this stuff going for them. And it's just, it's not true. I mean, things will come out and you'll be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that that person did this. It looked like they had everything put together. And I feel like that's kind of a theme that can, that can stretch across the generations. And I, I feel like it's always going to be that way. I don't think we're ever going to be able to change that. Um, that kind of ignorance that we have towards those that are higher up, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we've, we've kind of been talking almost around spoilers. Yeah. Of, but, uh, so full disclosure, um, the final shot, mm-hmm. Riggin jumps out the window. Yeah. It follows back to Emma Stone, mm-hmm. his daughter, and she comes through, looks through the window, looks down and can't find him. And then she looks up and smiles. And then it cuts to black, credits roll. What's what is your interpretation? What do you think that means? I I honestly have no idea. This ending is always like I feel like every time I watch this movie, I've watched this movie three times now, um, which is a lot to watch this movie because like it's such like a narrative driven movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I I honestly feel like, and this is kind of getting away from the question just a little bit, but I feel like Birdman, if you're gonna watch it, is a movie that like you watch one time, and you maybe twice. And, and that's like the max, because I feel like after that, you're, you're going to kind of lose some of the like theme magic, uh, mm-hmm. that that's in this movie. But, um, at, at the end, the, the ending shot, whenever she's looking down and she looks up and she smiles, I have always, so, so the first time I watched this movie, I was like 14. So I, I was watching, I was like, oh, he flew away. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but now I'm watching it and I'm like, I feel like she is in panic whenever she comes in and she goes out and she looks down. And I honestly believe that she looked down and saw him on the street. Mm. I I honestly believe that he jumped out and died Mm. and she's looking up like he's finally escaped. Like Mm. he's finally out of this hellhole that he's been put in and he can finally relax and and be done with the things of this world i feel like it's kind of which is why she kind of looks up because obviously looking up in movies is kind of like a semblance of moving on and stuff like that and and birds themselves kind of are too Mm -hmm. so um i feel like i feel like that's kind of what happens because i mean you look and for example in in the scene that we were talking about earlier where um birdman itself is falling around he starts flying around like you start seeing that hey, like, he rode in a taxi to get here and he thinks he's flying through the sky. So I honestly believe that if you look at that and you look at the ending, I, I seriously believe that he uh, actually, like, died on yeah. on, on that day. I, I, think, I think you're probably right, um, 
even if that is a little of a downer in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think you are right because you, you the, the very first shot of the movie is this really quick uh, bit with this big like comet looking thing mm -hmm. that's on fire falling through the sky. And then later in the movie, we get some references to Icarus, you know, who mm -hmm. made wings for himself and flew and then and then flew too close to the sun yeah. and started falling. A lot like Riggin, who was distracted by fame and fortune and everything, mm -hmm. and, and it led to, like, some really serious problems. Um, and I think maybe whenever he jumps out the window that final time, that's, that's like, Icarus, like, finally hitting the ground. That's, yeah. like, that comet that started out finally hitting the ground. And almost, like, as nihilistic as it sounds, like, the relief that comes with that, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I actually think that the ending, now now that I'm kind of talking about it out loud, because this is the first time I've really talked about Birdman, because a lot of people are like, oh, you're into that artsy crap. <laughs> like, kind of kind of movie whenever I say that my favorite's Birdman. But, you know, I, I feel like that subtitle kind of fits the ending, too. I mm -hmm. feel like we want to see a good ending because that's our ignorance showing. And I yeah. feel like it's kind of saying, like, Think about the bad ending. Think yeah. about that. Like, the movie is such a downer. <laughs> Why would you think in your ignorance that it would have a good ending kind of yeah. thing? So I feel like even the subtitle kind of helps show what that ending is. But once again, I'm not the director, so I have no idea what the what the ending was. In, in interviews, the, the, the director and Michael Keaton and all those people have said that it's up to your interpretation what the ending mm -hmm. means. So I... I in my opinion, I think that it has a horrible ending because that's kind of like with the entire theme of the movie. Mm -hmm. So, um, in my opinion, uh, I think that he dies on that day whenever he jumps out the window. But like, I would also understand if you're like, oh yeah, he just flew away. Like, yeah. like th that also kind of goes with the movie. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I feel like uh, I feel like there's a lot of things that that you can kind of guess happen at the end. Yeah, and and even then, like. That's another example of like ignorance mm -hmm. because if if we're shown the body or if we're shown Michael Keaton flying away, we know the ending. Mm -hmm. But the virtue of our ignorance is that we can come up with whatever ending we want. Yeah, you know. So, what do you think the overall message of the movie is? So, I kind of talked about this a little bit earlier when I was talking about like why it connects with me. Um, but in my opinion, the 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 message. I think that the message that it was trying to get across was simply that things are going to stand in your way, things are going to be challenging, and if you want to be known for more than one thing, you've got to strive to get it. Um, and people are going to get in your way, things are going to get in your way, there's going to be a ton of roadblocks, but if you truthfully want it, you've got to keep going and keep going and keep going and getting better and better and better and giving it everything that you have. Because by the end of the movie, Riggin is giving everything he has. I mean, he brings a real gun on stage, and since we're talking about spoilers now, like, he just shoots himself in the face. Yeah. Like, like he literally gives everything to achieve what he wanted, which was a positive review on the front of the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like one of the biggest messages to, to me is that you have to keep going and going and going and giving it everything you got to reach the place that you want to get to. Do you agree with that message? I personally don't necessarily agree with it a hundred percent. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like there are things that you should do. I feel like it, it's true that there are going to be roadblocks and there are going to be people that are going to get in your way if you want to achieve something great. Um, but I also feel like you 
ne- you don't necessarily have to do everything to try and get that. You know, I don't feel like you have to do something as extreme as getting on stage with an actual gun and bleeding out on the stage. Like, I don't feel yeah. like you actually have to do that. But mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I feel like in some aspects this is true, and I believe that. But I think in other aspects it's kind of like. Don't go that crazy, you know, <laughs> like, like go for what you want and strive to get it and get over those roadblocks, but don't like do anything too crazy. That's going to hurt you or hurt others. Yeah. Um, so in, in my opinion, I, I don't necessarily believe in that message completely, but I do in some aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Birdman, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Check it out. If you haven't seen it, uh, I'd like to thank you. Thank you, Jordan, for joining me on this podcast. Hey, it was a pleasure. It's not every day I get to talk about my favorite movies, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I'm here for. Hey, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, have a good day. Uh, Thanks for having this conversation with me. Of course, man. You too. So there you have it. That's Birdman. And that is why it's my friend Jordan's favorite movie. I gotta say, it, it, it really was a good time. There was a lot of things that made you think. Uh, a lot of times where you, like, were watching the movie and you just, like, had no choice but to, like, pause it and sit back and were like, hang on, like, what does this mean? I, I have to think about this. And honestly, I, I think, you know, Inyaritu has a point that that's something that we're kind of losing in today's, uh, you know, spectacle-driven movies um you know with the the not saying that like you know every avengers movie is terrible but like you know there there's not that much thinking involved and so i think that is something that's really valuable um that we are kind of losing with today's uh industry but all in all uh really good movie um watch it if you haven't seen it um but that just about wraps up everything for this episode of Movie Night with Tyler Marston. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to tune in next week when uh, we talk about another movie that makes you sit back and think, but for maybe a few different reasons, uh, because it's it's definitely a confusing movie if you uh, if if you try to think about it for too long. It's my friend Wade's favorite movie, Christopher Nolan's Inception. Uh, so be there for that. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Movie Night is hosted, edited, directed, produced, all that jazz by yours truly, Tyler Marston. Thank you to Jordan Moore for being such a great guest this episode. This podcast is produced in cooperation with the Audio Production 2 class in the School of Media and Journalism at Arkansas State University. 